nerd soul. Late ill kid at one. Y'all still holding it down, bringing that street geek and nerd soul. Y'all, man, we gonna have a good time. Hopefully, we'll see. You know, because you ne- you never really know. But we talk about Star Wars, Ahsoka, Episode Seven is the penultimate. You know, we're almost home. I guess you could say. But I'm gonna go in and throw it over to one of uh, the esteemed colleagues over here, uh, Mr. Jay Shear. What's up? What's happening? I know that we're going to have a good time because we're talking about Star Wars. I don't know if Star Wars is having a good time, but I know you and I are going to have a good time. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if Star Wars is having a good time. Yeah. It, Star Wars, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's tough out there. It's tough out there. But um, we do have a possible another guest coming up later. So, you know, big shout out to them. They'll be stepping through, coming through the side door. But I'm going to throw it to you real quick with this episode seven. What is it? Uh, Dreams and madness. I think it's called. Do you like it? Um, I'll say that it was, it was okay. It was fine. I I didn't, I didn't dislike it. Mm -hmm. I just was a little bit surprised and disappointed that this was the penultimate episode. Like you said, like Mm -hmm. this in other words, at this point in the series, this seemed to me like, you you know, you and I were both upset about episode three. I think at episode three, you can have an episode like this and it's kind of like, okay, like I'm not going to judge the whole series because they had one bad episode or one episode that was kind of not not great. The problem is, is that when you're in the when you're in the home stretch, you're like literally you've you've rounded third base and you are running toward home plate and you are gonna have to slide and it's gonna the ball is coming in and it's like well you just rounded third like you you gotta be on like full speed here mm-hmm. and this felt a little bit like half speed to me but what did you think what did you how did you like it? <laughs> I'm around where you are. I don't hate this episode. Right. This episode is fine if it's not the penultimate episode. Exactly. <laughs> this episode is cool. We get some cool stuff in it. We get to learn some things. But this is supposed to be the penultimate episode. This is supposed to be the buildup. Like, wh- there's... Th- it's so kind of like, okay, through the whole episode. And I am tired of... Disney saying, hey, and Lucasfilm is saying, hey, you need to buy this service and you need to pay for this service every month and we're going to give you lukewarm shows. <laughs> what I mean by lukewarm shows is that out of eight episodes, which I don't think you planned out or planned out enough episodes or either didn't pace your show enough, but you have eight episodes and only half of them are cool. The rest of them are like either mid to very boring. Now, there's some cool stuff that happens in this episode, but there's no buildup. And similar to what I said, I think back in episode three, when we were covering that, I my biggest fear was Thrawn is never even going to get... <laughs> It'll be like the last two minutes in the final in the final episode, like, oh, I'm back. And it's yeah. like... So it's disappointing. It's not it's not that this episode is particularly bad. It's just you know, I wanted more. Oh. I wanted more. And what I mean by more is I wanted more stakes, I wanted more action, I wanted more drama, I wanted more destruction. 
I wanted more consequences for the Republic that's been pushing this off forever like it's no big deal. And then this is the same Republic that knows what happened with Moff Gideon. And we'll get into that in a second. And they're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> this dude had a whole squadron or whatever of death troopers that took, I don't know, like the remaining Mandalorians all together to stop. Yeah. Come on, man. Like, you're talking about Mandalorians. We ain't talking about, like, you know, the kids. We're talking about full-grown adult Mandalorians with all the, like, the, the you know, the rockets and the and the, the, the little arm guns and the fire and all that. Yeah. And it took all of them just to stop him. Yeah. And y'all are, like, just chilling. You deserve to lose. <laughs> But at the same time, since this is a prequel, you have to make them dumb. That's the problem with making prequels. Because if you make them too capable, somebody will be like, well, how did they lose to the First Order? Because they made sure that, you know, they didn't make any mistakes. Right. So, I, I don't, man, I, I don't know. The, well, it's interesting. It's like you said. The episode, but it isn't a bad episode. It's a bad penultimate episode exactly that's exactly we are in total agreement because look like let's just say you had the same plot points all the same plot points in this episode in other words thrawn is still trying to leave uh balin and shin are still trying to find sabine and ezra and ahsoka is trying to get to sabine those are basically that's the those are the plot points. I mean, well outside yeah. of what the new republic is doing that's obviously a, a separate thing which, by the way, could be part of this, too. The question you have to ask yourself is, do any of these plot points feel like they are essential and must happen? And do the characters have emotions about them happening? So so the plot points need to happen, right? Like all of those things need to happen for this story to move forward. But it doesn't seem like anybody cares all that much stuff. They're going through the motions as opposed to like, so for example, let's put a couple more, let's put a couple more obstacles in uh in Ahsoka's way. Maybe her ship crash lands. Maybe uh Hu, Hu Yang uh goes down for some reason and she can't access him. Maybe she gets stranded too far away from where Sabine is and she knows she's running out of time because she sees the two drop ships go overhead and she goes, Oh no, there's gonna be a bunch of stormtroopers. How do I get there faster? Like there's got to be these things that produce extra conflict and cause our heroes and our villains to experience problems. But let's just take, let's just break this down for what actually happened. Ahsoka got to Sabine pretty easily. I mean, she had yeah, she had to get through the minefields. Okay, so that's a little bit of conflict there. But once she's through the minefields, she does have some sp some spacecraft chasing her. But there's a no time where we think those spacecraft are actually going to bring her down. Nah. So then we take that. You say, okay, wait a minute. Let's take uh, what's going on with uh, Thrawn. Well, mm -hmm. Thrawn seems pretty comfortable. He's like, yeah, it's fine. Like, as long as Ahsoka's doing that over there, and as long as Balin is being Balin, I'm just going to go ahead and um, load up my Star Destroyer, and then everything's going to be fine. Like, there's no point in any of the series. The only point you can maybe say where there's some tension that seems like it's like, 
a something that the characters are going to have to surmount in like a difficult way is when Ezra and Sabine are initially cornered by all of the stormtroopers. Yeah. But there's just not enough there that so in other words what I'm saying is the penultimate episode could present challenges to every single one of the characters in it that would be emotionally challenging to them and therefore thrilling and uh, anxiety producing for us because that's basically what you want in a penultimate yeah. episode like is this stuff going to work or is this stuff going to be seat. disastrous exactly you got to be on the edge of the seat but we didn't really get in edge of the seat we kind of got a okay this is what happened today you know what I mean like so yeah I totally agree with you 100% it, there's, we're going to get into this but I, I will say before I go any further I have to address some critical disrespect that went on critical disrespect all right i'm gonna say this with all of my heart c3po is not a mere droid he's not like i can't believe he even thought to fix his mouth to say that okay first thing you ain't did nothing all right <laughs> c3po has been here pretty much since the start of all of these shenanigans now was he bumbling around while R2-D2 was doing the real work? Yes, but still, he's been there. And hmm, if it wasn't for C-3PO, the Battle of Endor would have been lost. Oh, good point. Because good point. the our trio, our famed heroes that we were following were going to be eaten by <laughs> by our by our happy little Ewoks <laughs> they were going to be eaten they had already hog tied them and everything they had the fire set and all that like they, they were about to have a cookout C-3PO yeah. saved that turned it around communicated between our heroes and the Ewoks so that they could actually plan for the coming uh, invasion of the Empire to their planet and also let them know about the whole indoor base yep. so if it wasn't for C-3PO don't you ever disrespect C-3 I, I can't believe this dude and then okay <laughs> <laughs> then to go forward well you know what I'm going to throw a theory out First, my theory is uh, Ziono is uh, Empire. He's definitely Empire. Uh, he's either Empire or he's completely stupid. Um, <laughs> he's, he's like uh, Jedi's and you know and troopers and stuff. It's like, yeah, dummy. Like, did you not hear? Where were you? Like, you're part. Of, you're part of the New Republic, right? You want to know why the Republic is new? Did you have you even heard of like Leia Skywalker? You know, uh, like Han Solo, the Wookiee. Did y'all hear Darth Vader? Like, you never heard of Inquisitors using the Force? Like, why is he acting like he's never been here before? Now, at the same time, this might tie back to Andor, where all those rich people were pretty much disassociated from like they didn't care yeah you know like they were they were rich and like even like the people on um canto bite they were like we're we're out here in vegas like, <laughs> don't, don't really care about like what's going with they, they, i mean if you looked at they wouldn't even have you wouldn't even be able to tell that there was a war going on so maybe 
maybe you can throw it off on that but there's no way you have not heard of the force at all like come on man this dude either you are hyper stupid or <laughs> you're a plant for the empire you know what i'm saying i don't, I don't trust it. and even like uh harris said i protected the new republic by ignoring you yeah like i just god he's stupid i have two responses <laughs> i have two responses for you just double down on what you're saying because i totally agree because the 3po thing felt like such needless fan service that it almost felt ridiculous like it, of this series it's, it's the one thing where I'm like, okay, if you're talking fan service, like you don't need 3PO to be there. It doesn't make sense for 3PO to be there. You don't even treat him like 3PO. But let, let's just put that aside for a second. If you were to say, who's the most famous droid in the entire galaxy at this point in time? I see at this point, it probably have to be R2, I guess. It's either I, R2 or 3PO. Yeah. And let me put it this way. 3PO has an advantage that R2 doesn't have is that he speaks basic. He speaks galactic basic. So yeah. if there were like, if there was going to be like Droid Magazine doing a spread on like <laughs> who's, who, who wants to talk to the humans, 3PO is the one they're going to contact, right? So my thing is, is that like to double down on your point, nobody in that room should not know who C-3PO is. I mean, this dude, not only was he on Endor, this dude was getting awarded by the Republic, at the Rebels at the time, the Rebellion at the time. He was there when they were all getting medals. Oh, he was yeah, in stage. episode four, he was there. Yeah, exactly. It's not like this, it's not like, like uh, what was the droid? It's not like K2SO or the droid from Solo, uh, L337. Um, L3, yeah. Yeah, where it's like, okay, they did this one thing in this one part of the galaxy, and like maybe they've never been on a stage before. They're not next to anybody famous. Okay, I get that. But we're talking about C-3PO. This dude has been on every stage that the, that the, that the New Republic has walked on. So yeah. you can't treat this droid like like oh sorry you can't make it in here like come on give me yeah a break. and the dude was trying to like dude was trying to play defense on him and stuff I was like what is going on <laughs> yeah exactly okay so I want I want to talk about another point you bringing up uh, Zion is it Ziono or Ziono yeah Ziono. I think it's Ziono I think you're right okay so Ziono here's what's really frustrating to me about that whole scene okay. That scene felt more to me. Oh yeah, Solar is Solar is now in in the uh, in the experience with us here. I am yes. sorry, guys. I did not get the announcement when you sent out the um when you sent out the invitation. I'm like, am I doing this today? And then I, yeah, so but I'm here. Oh, you're here. You're good. You're here He's for here. Some good, good stuff. You're here so for cool. some good stuff. All right, go um, ahead, Jay. Go ahead. Okay, so so that scene really irritated me because it felt almost more like that was the empire in the meeting as opposed to the new republic now let me explain what i mean you had i know that i know that hera is a is a twi'lek right mm -hmm. I, I but then you've got you've got leia who is a white woman you have mon mothma who is a white woman and they are doing these things that are underhandedly working against the system of government that they helped set up. And then you've got the people of color in the room, Ziono being one of them, 
who's like, guys, we should probably do this by the book. We don't want to operate like like uh, in some other way that where we could not be perceived as the most professional government, uh, the professional government as we build this out. And they're like, um, no, we're just going to work underhandedly to, to go around all the systems of process and procedure that we've got here to do whatever we want to do because we're the ones that set this stuff up in the first place. And that to me felt like hmm, it just good, didn't, yeah. I did not like how it felt at all. It felt very anti what the new republic is trying to stand for. Now, do I think Ziono is in the right in suggesting that they should ignore this? Not at all. Like, obviously, I, like you pointed out, he's he's got to be an imperial plant or he's an idiot. But <laughs> to set the, to set up the person who's saying, guys, we're trying to be a government here. Let's actually act like one. Like, it wasn't that he was so upset about, I mean, he was upset about what Hera had done. But then he's doubly righteously upset by the fact that Leia went around all of them and was like, oh, yeah, I sanctioned this, by the way. So I that scene just did not work for me on multiple levels. And it felt like, dude, the New Republic is just going to act like they are a bunch of um, people who don't even care about having a government. Like, that doesn't even make sense to me. I wonder, I wonder if that could be thrown off because I was thinking about this when I was watching the scene mm. and I'll, I'll throw this to Solar too after this. Uh, do you think that that's due to their sort of rebellious nature because they've been rebels so long mm. that even though they're in a government now or they're building a government now, they're just like, hey, this is something that needs to be done, so let's just do it. Like, And not saying that that's right, and I mean, I guess it is right because we know Thrawn is coming because we know, but right. like, <laughs> they are just kind of going on a hunch, even though it's a good hunch, but they're not really crossing their T's and dotting their I's. They're just like, look, hey, I think Thrawn is coming. I trust you. We've been in the trenches. We're just going to do it. And it's like, you can't do that anymore because you're not a rebellion anymore. But Solar, how, how are you feeling about that whole situation y'all really gonna make me do this huh <laughs> <laughs> i see you only call me in to be the voice of dissent so um <laughs> hold up before people get to their keyboards uh -oh. get to your keyboards so you guys remember the second of the sequels um, you're talking about the uh, uh, last, Jedi? last last Jedi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last Jedi. I am reminded of Benicio del Toro's character, the weapons dealer. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he pointed out that Republic, Feder um, the Republic, the Empire. Who cares? <laughs> um, the only difference between the two, really when you come down to looking at it is we know for a fact that one side tortures and we don't know for a fact that the other one doesn't mm. that's Good point. it mm. that that's the only like there's an old saying one man's freedom freedom fighter is another person's terrorist mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i'm definitely with you on the um bro's got to be an imperial plant only <laughs> because of the level of the level of opposition he puts toward 
everything. Yeah, his, his hateration is so strong. Yeah, I'm like sitting up going, are y'all exes? Is that it? Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> this is looking real personal. I mean, I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not really sure how to how to put that in words, but I'm like, yeah, you look like you tried to you, you tried to uh, get a couple of phone numbers there. And Mon Mothma and Hera just kind of said, oh, boy, walk, you know, because that's how he's acting. Um, But that being said, OK. I see what you're talking about as far as him using actual um, policy um, to show that Hera and, you know, Hera wasn't following orders and she was doing a whole lot of terrible stuff. Um, terrible stuff in the sense of you have a job to do and you're not doing your job and we're supposed to be, you know, protocol followers. But simultaneously, um, I'm reminded of bad cops. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, the ones that practice law or practice law enforcement in a strange kind of way. Mm -hmm. Like in the everybody's breaking the law, but I'm only going to punish this person for it. Mm. Okay. Because okay. when you take a look at everything that Hera has actually put on the reports. Okay. I'm talking um, the little insurrection act um, on Corellia. You know, and he wrote that off. Like, oh, that was a one-time incident. And then, yeah. you know, like every, every piece of evidence that she's put toward him to say, look, there is a resurgence in Empire and we got kind of a thing he writes off in a way of saying well i want proof but not that proof mm. and not that proof and not that proof y you see what i mean mm. so you know when a person in power is gumming up the works in order to get the job done you have to break the rules you know and again the benicio del toro thing was bro i sell weapons you know, I sold weapons to the Empire. I sold weapons to the Rebellion. Fact? <laughs> Everybody acts the same way when they try to accomplish something. The big question is, okay, they have not They have a Republic. How are they going to run the joint? You know, and the fact is... Um, one of the reasons that a lot of people so don't care about revolutions... Is that whoever takes over the government whatever intentions they have they only can conceptualize government on a day-to-day -day based on what they grew up with kind of like uh those of us with kids are like i'm not going to be nothing like my parents and then we get tired and our kid does something and we open our mouth and our mom or dad comes out so i can definitely definitely see that but i also I'm right there with you in the sense of being frustrated and watching the New Republic act just like the Empire with the um, heroic amounts of bureaucracy mm -hmm. <laughs> that they have to jump through, you know, but I don't think that that makes the Republic different. I think it just makes it um, yet another administrative body. You get what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm following you. And I think. 
So I think the I think that the like if we were to break down like how would you solve this problem? To me, the way you solve this problem is more like it was done in Andor, where there are serious consequences when Andor gets caught. Um, and like so like because you're 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 hundred percent right. Like this guy is being uh he's being resistant to evidence, but at the same time, I could make an argument that Hera hasn't really given enough evidence to those in power to be able to prove her point because i mean did we ever see her give any evidence of like look they built a ring that travels to another galaxy guys like it, it feels like some of some of the because who yang has that evidence but exactly in another galaxy exactly but exactly. then i was wondering i mean because of course there's tons of technology i'm like and i know this is super random but i'm like don't these ships have like dash cams like can't can they just be like hey <laughs> yeah. <we> saw <laughs> like if i have a dash cam in my regular car something that you're flying through space surely has like a dash cam or something right yeah, like, you know <laughs> i mean i i have that that suspension of disbelief saying we as the audience haven't seen Hera present evidence but i'm sorry guys they got they got holographic um phones so yeah. chances are they got security cameras <laughs> yeah and if nothing else there's got to be a paper trail for the corellian engine that got stolen in episode three was it yeah because oh, the, yeah. Uh, the robot you was know, talking about you know going to check it and the, the the hk droid wouldn't allow it to check the you know to check the thing and then so there's definitely a record of that ship taking off and them chasing it but basically they were saying well hey since you didn't find anything after that they're just a rogue you know they, they're treating like all of these things are just like rogue little and it's it's like okay guys i know you want to say the all of these things are rogue but remember the reason the rebellion won is because for so long the empire thought we were all rogue but we uh. were all working together <laughs> remember facts remember fulcrum remember the fact Saul that we Guerrero, weren't everybody was all of us were doing us? different things but together like, <laughs> like oh, they're so dumb <laughs> and i'm not saying that you have to have like the iron fist of like the emperor but things like i mean when tava uh mentioned what happened on mandalore which lets us know that this is definitely after season three like once he tells us about there should be a uh i guess like a, a detectives or something that follow that up like go there you know get i don't know uh, evidence uh, or you know put them in little bags and, and you and you tag them and you like you interview people you know you, you just do things all right you do things to find out what happened it and then also you take that then you have people saying for the empire and firing on me i think it's more than just one person now especially when like three other people in the room started firing on us like maybe this is a thing it I think it w I think w one of the things that we could do to solve this problem for Ziono is just give him an alternate means of what he's advocating for. So in other words, all we know is that he's being a barrier, right? But what if they suddenly told us, maybe he is the Empire even, right? Maybe he's part of the Empire, but maybe instead of making him look like a total doofus, maybe they could just say, okay, what if he has an alternate way of spending this time? Like, 
we're not in an open conflict. So Hera, you should be distributing resources to some of the mid-rim, which got decimated by the Empire, and we need to have humanitarian efforts there. Then, at that point, it would be like, okay, we may not agree with him, but yeah, we can because see that he has a point about something else. I see where you're else. coming from. Yeah, because it seems like you don't want Hera to do this, but she doesn't really have anything else to do. Because it's something exactly. brought up like, hey, Hera, you know that you're supposed to be doing this, this, and this, and that's not happening because some phantom, you know, some phantom, you know, hyperspace ring that you're chasing, you know, oh, yeah, or phantom menace. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know you have real things to do and these you know these jobs are suffering or other people are having to pick up your slack yes, yes. because yeah i so you know what i'll leave ziona alone we have other <laughs> things to talk about but that oh man the, the we spent way more of this show talking about ziona than i ever expected <laughs> he's wow he's 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 because he's an example of like what's wrong with the republic in general yeah but uh one thing that i did like as far as generals is general skywalker <laughs> seeing anakin in his uh i guess uh holo hologram glory teaching the the form over to ahsoka and then ahsoka redoing the form talking about that this was his last message and everything i know it's fan service but i really liked it hmm. like i really liked that I thought it was an awesome moment. You know, I, <laughs> I gotta might be say, alone, Hayden but I thought it was a beautiful moment. Yeah, I gotta say that Hayden Christensen has finally grown into that role. Mm. Like I was, I was watching the hologram and the stuff from was it two episodes ago when Ahsoka was yeah. drowning. Um, and I'm like, oh, I think my problem with Anakin in the prequels, twenty years ago now was that he looks so young you know mm. like middle-aged anakin being like all right so you need to do this now spread your legs go harder concentrate i'm like all right you know what i think hayden christensen now plays an anakin that i like a lot better yeah and see we also have kind of like the opportunity for him to see how anakin was portrayed in the clone wars after that because also those movies had such a time jump like oh man yeah i'm not even gonna get started on those because there are things about the prequels that i do like so i don't hate the prequels it's just i think i think that time jump also kind of hurt too as far as our experience with you know anakin but yeah i like the just even the part where he's like and always practice your forms or at least more than i do like that kind of thing like it's just it there was so much kind of like heart and relatability between those two that you got to see in this message that I just thought I thought it was awesome. And now, of course, it doesn't really push the story forward, really. But I thought it was beautiful. Um, I looked at it like planting a seed for later. Mm, OK, because they talked a lot about um, just Ahsoka's whole story arc when it comes to this part. It really seems like her coming to grips with being a teacher and what it actually takes. Mm. You know? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. What are your thoughts, man? How about I, you, I, 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 li I liked it. I liked it, too. I thought it was... Um, for me, it was 
the 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 single line that Ahsoka says is what put a stamp on what she learned um, in her early experience, earlier experience in the maybe world between world of Anakin, meaning that she said he was a good master, and when she said that, what I think that meant was I have come to terms with who Anakin was versus who Anakin became and I'm okay with who he was and reflecting on that and going he had a job to do that job was contextualized to war we were in a war and he was training me for war and so he didn't give me the full width and breadth of all the training that I would need throughout my entire journey but he gave me a large chunk of it that is very helpful um, for what I've been, what I've encountered. So to me, that was the power of this particular interaction. And I agree with both of you. Like Hayden Christensen playing Anakin now is about a hundred times better than than him playing. And I still think that George Lucas had a lot to do with that, just as from his directing perspective. But yeah. well, you know, the new director isn't concerned as much with poetry, saying it doesn't have <laughs> to rhyme. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh boy! Now I, I will say that I think, or I'm—I guess in my head, kind of—I can guess that when she was with Luke and um, Grogu, that Luke told her that he finally turned back to the light. Hopefully, I—I assume they—I mean, I assume they talked about you know, you know vader slash anakin or anakin slash vader because i mean it's his dad it's her master they have a huge you know like connection between him so i would hope that he told her like hey you know this is what happened you know at the very end and but maybe not because if she knew that and had that kind of closure maybe she would be going through this now mm, so maybe not maybe it, or it could have been a situation where they both didn't really want to talk about it because of you know it being such a huge dark spot on the galaxy in general you know like the order 66 hunting down the rest of the jedi the inquisitors all that so maybe not maybe not but Mm. the the training i thought was just awesome and beautiful and then you know it it did help us kind of see how she approaches Sabine later, um, who I'm also mad at. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I, okay, Solar. Let me ask you this, and and I know a lot of shows do this, you know, where the the character does something bad, and the the character that they're with should know, but you know, like for their you know happiness or whatever, they're not telling yet because they they just want to enjoy the time with them so i mean i'm not dogging out star wars anyone who loves star wars look i've i've loved star wars ever since i saw it on tnt a long time ago and if you don't know tnt usa and tbs was like the original netflix all right it was like they just played movies (laughs) all the time so so it's it's one of those things where like sabine there's real stuff going on and she's just like glad i got a chance to rest it's all i feel so good i'm like no what do you mean you got to rest like this is it's serious this he sacrificed himself to remove this threat from the galaxy now there's a very real chance that this threat can come back and you were a part of it 
and you're not even telling him all right and she's just chilling like she's just chilling like hey we're just kicking it you know riding out on the on the country plains together i mean d does that yeah, bother you with so the long? total rock people you know yeah yeah does that bother you or does it not bother you? um real talk it does not bother me okay okay or because i could be one, tripping. well for one major reason on this um and that is understand i'm not as deep into the rebel lore as you guys are but i did watch a season and a half and you know what as stupid as that <laughs> might sound all right as stupid as her going can i just enjoy this for a hot minute might sound it is 100 percent inarguable or inarguably within sabine's character okay In i mean fact, i just guess i thought she would have grown because it's been 10 years since the since the finale so yeah I was just i guess i was just hoping that she would be a little bit different or at least be able to, like hey what have we Braun seen Gate. over the course of the last six episodes Good that yeah. would have implied that forget yeah. the time between the old show just in this show as it stands it has shown number one that the only thing that shows sabine's maturity is puberty and that she has her own place mm. outside of that emotional maturity is not her bag it's really not the bag of anybody on this show except for one and you're gonna bring him up so i won't bring him up but there's only actually no there's two people on this show that are emotionally mature okay because the premise of the show is watch these people mature emotionally <laughs> it's it's just weird because at least from the finale and i said this about her and the her meaning sabine in the in the um in the premiere I felt like we left Sabine at a more mature point in season four than we see her now. But, you oh, know, we absolutely did. We absolutely did. But I mean, people can revert, you know, people can, you know, kind of like take a couple steps back. Who knows? And then she lost Ezra sort of kind of because he's not dead. You know, we're with him now. So, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Uh, how about you, Jay? Well, okay, so I feel two ways about it. Um, I totally understand Solar's argument, and I think it's a pretty good argument that she's just not emotionally mature enough. I think, though, that this goes again to, to me to, like, execution, because there's two things that bug me about it, regardless of even if that's true to her character. One is that, again, we're not playing with the tension of what that means, because the reason she would not be telling Ezra th of what's coming for them is not I don't think it's a hundred percent her emotional immaturity there's an added component of she doesn't want to tell him what he wants to hear because he thinks that her being there means that they're going to be able to go home but <laughs> we basically know they're not getting home right Ooh, when That's he said, when he, said <laughs> he was ready to go home at the end I was like ah. yeah exactly uh, exactly ooh. that was a yeah about that yeah, exactly. <laughs> that whole home thing, yeah. <laughs> the bus may not stop here, buddy. Like we might be stuck. 
Um, but okay, so so there's that that part of it that I think could be built up tension between them that they're not really playing with. The other thing that bugged me about this episode was that when he made that comment at the end, Ahsoka didn't say anything to him. Like, so Ahsoka just kind of smiled at him like, oh yeah, we're all going to go home. And it was like, Ahsoka can't get home unless she gets on that ring. Like, she's the not going to call the Purgles back. Is that Ahsoka in this moment is, since of course she's changed, she's kind of had her awakening or I guess reawakening because she seems, you know, she's smiling again. She's, she's even cracking jokes. Maybe she's at a point where it's all going to be okay. No matter what, we're going to find a way back. Maybe that's it. Maybe. And that's cool. That's cool. The only problem I have with that is the thing we said about this penultimate episode was that the stakes were seem the stakes felt low and the conflict felt unimportant overall. And so I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying that like, it was the worst thing ever. I'm just saying that they had the opportunity to work in some things that would have like we're gonna avoid crushing Ezra's soul so just don't let him know that we can't get home yet or that it's gonna be difficult for us to get home and they didn't really play with that and that I think took this episode and made it a little bit more like a ah, people hate people hate when when people say things like this but I'm just gonna say it anyways a filler episode of the Clone Wars as opposed to the penultimate episode of Ahsoka the series that to me was the difference wow not a man filler. i love your wow. perspective i i really <laughs> i love hearing you talk <laughs> a filler episode ditto ditto solar <laughs> I, lo- I love these episodes yeah it's it's I, I guess i'll agree because like we were saying i don't dislike this episode i just don't think that this is a penultimate episode like if this was episode four or three i'd be like cool all right we're going somewhere all right you know but it's almost and disney has done this throughout whether it's marvel whether it's star wars like they will wait to the absolute last minute netflix has done it in a couple of shows too but they'll wait to the absolute last minute to give you what the trailer was talking about and yeah you know like like i said about that guy on uh that video that was uh talking about shows in the 90s even though shows in the 90s were wild at least back in the 90s they gave you that stuff up front like he was like if there was a, if there was a show called skate man he would be skating every episode you know rollerblades skateboards quad i want skates. you to know my tongue is bleeding from biting it because i want to talk about <laughs> hammer man <laughs> he, he'd be uh the the little suit where you have the rollerblades on your arms and you're like your whole body escape he'd be doing that every episode but in netflix or something he's not even going to get his pair of skates until like the beginning of the finale like it, it, then he's going to be like see you next season maybe i is blame that- smallville oh <laughs> Ah, Smallville, the real tease. No but tights. No. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Even no though flights, Smallville no has tights, cool that, that was one of their rules, you know? That's true. That's true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, this episode would have been awesome as episode three or so, even four. But now, this is the And then it's not long enough. Like, well, no, hold on. Let me take it back. I've seen in 40 minutes i've seen you know like shows on fx do tons of stuff like i mean atlanta has done amazing things with 40 minutes but it's it's almost like they took 40 minutes and was just kind of like all right so here's some kind of cool stuff we're not really gonna move 
forward really but it's gonna be cool to see like I'll, I'll go in and I'll say someone something else that that annoys me and maybe I will be rewarded in the finale but we gotta talk about Balin Skull man bruh <laughs> Look, bruh why I have the feeling and Solar I'll let you I'll let you go I have the feeling that whatever he's looking for is not going to satisfy me because they've been they've been holding us back so long I feel like whatever he's looking for is going to be like oh okay because <laughs> they're like it's so secretive he's not talking about it to anyone and it's so secretive and everyone's hanging on his every word and then i i can i can feel it in my soul the next episode whenever whatever he gets it is it's going to be like oh uh, well, well all right you could have told us about this in episode two but so mm-hmm. uh, what, how are you feeling about balance call because so number one um it's funny listening to you guys talk about what annoy you in this episode i'm like yep mostly everything that's annoying everybody is on the rebels slash new republic side however (laughs) (laughs) um so as far as baylor goes everything that i'm seeing in this um from the last two episodes Okay, not just the penultimate, but the pen penultimate, <laughs> where he looked at Shin in her smoky eyes and said, yeah, you need to kill them and take your place in this empire. I got this thing I got to do. You know, yeah, he, that straight up was like, he was like, you know what? I've taken you this far. Have a good one. <laughs> yeah, that said to me that he is being set up as either a force or an antagonist for season two um if not for the death of the actor um rest in power man oh yeah really loved you and thor um but what i definitely see is either he is gonna be a force to be reckoned with next season or he is gonna find what he needs and then he's going to pull the heroic sacrifice to get Ahsoka and Ezra and um, um, I can't believe I forgot her name and we just said it. Uh, Sabine. And Sabine home. I think he's going to be the key to getting them back to the galaxy that they're from because he is going to discover the power of the witches and all that stuff. You know, hmm, that's what okay. I said. Because the idea of the whales going back to that universe to die means or that galaxy to die means that they are stranded until the next migration of the whales out i.e when the next pod hatches or is born and comes of age and decides to move out and go kick it in the galaxy that they're actually from so that they can hitch a ride um or they're gonna have to do that um, they're gonna have to figure out a way to get back to the galaxy quicker because Thrawn's got a ride and they don't. And you can only pull the Han the Han Solo garbage trick um a limited <laughs> number of times. <laughs> you know. So that's what I see. But honestly, I I honestly I love Baylor's character. Okay. Um, I really do. I think he is a really good anti ist. <laughs> 
I can't say anti-hero or anti-villain because we just don't know. Mm. Yeah, he's kind of like doing his own thing. He doesn't seem particularly evil. No. He's just kind of like doing his own thing. And he even talked about like the Jedi Order in a way where he's like, no, the, the Jedi Order was cool. They just went about it wrong or something like that. They, yeah. I can't remember his exact words. Like, but basically, they had good like, ideas, but man, were they stupid. <laughs> you know, he was talking like a fan. Um. So yeah, I think he's being set up to be the Deus Ex Machina for our protagonists in the next episode. Okay. Okay. All right. Again, how about you, Jay? How are you feeling about him? You know, the whole letting Shin go and you know, smoky eyes on her own. <laughs> um. So he, I totally agree with Solar. Uh, he's he's one of the best new Star Wars characters in in a long time. And I think Shin is too. By the way, I think she's um working out nicely in this uh so we talked about last time last week i said you know i think basically the ending of this show is that you have the jedi are so ezra sabine ahsoka possibly even balin and shin are all exiled on peridia and everybody else gets back home uh, Thrawn goes back, and you, you basically you have Thrawn back in the normal galaxy, in the Star Wars galaxy, without mm -hmm. any, uh, with very few Jedi. And you still got Luke, right? But you don't have yeah. you don't have a bunch of other Jedi to um, to battle him. Um, that seems like it's still becoming true. What it seems to me is that Balin, like he said last week, he's he's playing a different game. He doesn't care about Thrawn. He never cared about Thrawn. His goal was to get to Peridia. Because on Peridia, there was going to be something of power that he was going to utilize. I've been hearing a lot about the, you know, these Star Wars fans love to bring up the Mortis stuff. And so I've heard that like, oh, he's oh. going to, have you heard this theory where he's going to be going after the mother who was like a character who went like supreme evil or something? Um, I'm not super familiar with that portion of the storyline and that he's the mother is actually calling to him. I'll just say this. I'm not familiar enough with that to know if that's going to happen or not, but I will say this. I think that is the same problem that we had with WandaVision when we all <laughs> thought that Mephisto was going to show up. Like, I don't think they're going to go that far into lore. I mean, if if someone's going to do it, it is Filoni. So I, I, I appreciate people like, you know, thinking that Filoni's going to bring that about. I just don't whether it's whether it's her i don't know her name it's like i don't remember what it is morgoth or something i'm like abeloth or something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're right you're right abeloth i think you guys are exactly right abeloth or abeloth or something like that but anyway if if it's if it's her or if it's not her he is playing a different game i think he is trying to reset he's trying to reset the universe and the force and I, we talked about it last week i think he's either going to take all the force power for himself or he's going to just cut the force out entirely and no one's going to have the force and everything just starts over from scratch. Ooh, but, um, you think he might be pulling a Baron Zemo, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I think he might. I think he might. But then again, I don't know. I mean, he just doesn't seem to care about anything else that everyone else in this show cares about. He's like just on a different mission altogether. So uh, that's my take. All right, cool, cool. So Balin, Balin Skull is st still out. I do... I do like the way we got to see Shin Hati without him because mm. she immediately was just like, you're not coming. You're not going to help. 
so when it was her versus well i guess her and the rest of the the uh the troopers versus you know our our famed cast ezra (laughs) our famed ezra and sabine i will i will give ezra his props ezra was like oh don't you want to take us as prisoners (laughs) (laughs) so can we talk about him (laughs) yeah definitely because i gotta say i like him a lot more now Mm. oh yes older adult ezra is way better than tv show ezra way better because oh, um, tv show ezra oh rebels ezra was annoying well feloni and i love whoever ezra. wrote it i gotta give y'all the flowers because um they did something that i have wanted to see in star wars for a long time okay and that was all right here this is yours oh no i gave it to you no you take no 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 no, i don't need i'm good what the force is my ally i'm good Mm. and he's force pushing (laughs) yeah he was martial art i'm like straight kung fu like movements and i was like yo this is cool yeah i was like he was like oh i wanted to i'm cool i'm cool i'm fine well that's what i've wanted to see from jedi since 1987 i am not joking Okay, um, I have gone on the record hundreds of times in saying that my problem with episode two was specifically the Yoda and Doku fight. That was the straw that broke my back. Because in my mind, Yoda should have been in Lotus position with lightsabers flying everywhere. Mm. Yeah, you know, it, I'm it like, been, dude, dude, I, that's I would that have liked to see that too. Yeah. I didn't want to see him bouncing around the screen like Sonic the Hedgehog on crack. But that being said, um, when Ezra's like, nah, the force is my ally. I'm good. I'm like, bruh, <laughs> bruh. Let, yes, that that is what I'm talking about right there. Um, because, again, not to bring the prequels up too much, but hearing Obi-Wan saying this is a Jedi's weapon um he's life or death without it but then flashing back to my favorite protagonist or my favorite antagonist in most of fiction palpatine in return of the jedi didn't have a lightsaber except the one he took from luke saying go ahead pick it up pick it up come on i dare you come on pick it up pick it up come on come on stab me in the face you know um and i remember as a kid because i saw return of the jedi in theaters I'm like, this old man's got something up his sleeve, you know? And yeah, he had the dark side of the forest letting him throw lightning at Luke <laughs> while talking sh- crap to um to Luke's dad. Ha, I caught myself. What's going on there, <laughs> so light? Uh, uh, so yeah, so watching a light side Jedi be like, I'm cool, I don't need a lightsaber. I'm like, alright, alright, yeah, yeah, give me some of that. Um, and i also love his uh, the two well i'll say three i think balen skull might be my favorite uniform then ezra then ahsoka like the the switch to like the white and light gray i really i really dig that but the the ezra gear i ain't going front. it's kind of it's kind of dope i like the fit i like it he reminds me of danny yen and um rogue one Oh, um, yeah, very similar. 
but I, man the movements the force pushing the kind of just his confidence without the 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 lightsaber was really cool to see and then even ahsoka well we've seen ahsoka fight darth maul without a without a uh, blade but well she we in tales of the jedi she fought without a blade too but in here when shin Hati comes to her you can see that she's not even going for the kill and she even says hey i can help you at the end mm -hmm. so this is a very different ahsoka like she's definitely come back to like kind of sort of the old Ahsoka that we knew where there was some hope, there was a little joy in there. Because she probably could have easily beat Shin Hati. She probably well, could've easily beat her. But she didn't even draw her blade on her. She just blocked her a couple times and was like, Look, hey, give me your weapon. I can help you. So I thought that was awesome. That was cool. All of that was cool. Yeah, I mean like it, it is to your point solar like that that felt like what we've always thought the jedi were capable of but they've literally never showed it to us so that's, that's an excellent point like showing it to us in this one and having it be ezra was super cool um and i do and i do agree with both of you that ezra is way better now than he's ever been in the past like for oh, yes. sure um i think that I think that he actually may be a little a little underutilized to be honest with you like um you know we haven't I'd love to hear what he learned in the in the meantime you know like he seems like a more mature uh, Ezra who like seems patient and he's like hey I, I knew you guys were going to show up he seems kind um they haven't even given us like a real close up of his eyes you know like his eyes are like a big part of his character I'd love to see a close up there like uh but you know i'm i'm here for more for more from him so they've done the right they've done the job of enticing him I mean, that's enticing stuff more stuff from him i think it's great yeah the and just thinking of what solar said about yoda and his fighting style i was like i remember seeing it and i was like you know it's cool to see that this is someone that can save all this energy for like spurts of fights like this but i also would have loved a different fighting style where it was more force based or where even even where slow where like he doesn't draw the blade all the time like he might only draw the blade when you're like extremely close but outside of that he's just like moving you around and like parrying you and stuff and you know like a like a great mix of like like wing chung and tai chi like a really mm. good mix of that yeah like that that would be awesome because yeah. it's like almost like and maybe and maybe even some judo where it's like i'm just using your force against you like you kind of like you ran yourself into that wall sort of well, <laughs> the answer to that question is bakwa unfortunately it's been used in another beloved franchise uh let me guess the, the in the federation is it being used in that nope i'm talking oh. avatar the last airbender ah uh, Bakwa is Aang's style of Kung Fu. Ah. So, a lot of circular movements, a lot of twisting, a lot of, no, we're going to go this way now, and now I'm going to get out the way, you know. And to it's get like, that, Oh, you thought you were going to punch me, and now you're choking yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you know. Um, but yeah, I am very much digging that. Although, I got a little bit of bone to pick with you, Nerd Soul. Mm-hmm. Because... I've been hearing y'all talk for years about Mandalorians. Mandalorian's awesome. Mandalorian this. Mandalorian against Jedi. Blah, blah, blah. And I didn't quite get it. 
until this episode, which is um, Jedi, Jedi are magic and Mandalorians are tech. And I didn't quite get that because, again, when I was a kid, I saw Boba Fett's armor and I'm like, hey, that guy's cool. And then I went about my day um, <laughs> building go-karts, riding bikes and doing all the stuff that feral Generation X kids did while drinking from the water hose and making sure I was in before the lights came on. Um, but understanding now that the Jedi are the force which is faith-based and the Mandalorians are tech-based, I now completely understand why Sabine sucks <laughs> as a Jedi. Because um, her commitment to her tech means that she doesn't have faith in the Force. So that scene... Like she's unwilling really, to let it go, sort of. Yeah, that scene, that fight scene where we got to see Ezra doing all the cool stuff really illustrated something that no other piece of Star Wars lore that I've come across has managed to do... Um, has managed to do clearly. You know? Because Ezra's like, yeah, the Force is my ally. I don't even need a lightsaber. And she's like... Yeah, you know, that's good, but I guess I'll take your lightsaber and my blasters and my flamethrowers. <laughs> and uh, the last time we got something like that was an empire when Luke went into the cave. You know? But uh, equating yeah. but equating that moment to the test of an actual... Or equating the test to the practical application, I thought was really well done. I, I gotta say that. But yeah, and y'all never told me no. Mandalorians are cool because they have all the cool gadgets. I, I would have gotten it by then. Apologies. They just kept apologies. telling me, man, they're cool. Why? <laughs> well, well, Boba Fett found Han Solo. Yeah, he went out with the garbage. What makes Mandalorians cool? I don't get it. Uh, yeah, yeah. The I will, I will give her props for the kind of mixing the tech with the uh with the jedi you know force ish i mean she's using a lightsaber she was able to kind of feel uh ahsoka calling to her through the force so it's it's a little piece there and even ezra was like really he was like oh no 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 no, no i don't mean <laughs> he was like ahsoka trained me he was like really like seriously okay uh, but i mean uh, uh, it, no i mean it's good it's good uh, it, no no it's, it's fine it's fine but but it would have been nice to see maybe her get into maybe the history of tar Vizsla a little bit more especially since she had the blade for a little bit of time and maybe try to figure out how he was able to be a jedi and then very mandalorian as well um, right but you know that's that's neither here nor there I want to talk about one of the stars of the episode. Oh yeah. And you know who it is. It's the blue skinned one. That's right. You know That is why I am here. Thrawn. Oh. I love Thrawn. Thrawn is uh, he's my favorite Star Wars character. And this episode continues to illustrate why. You <laughs> he he shows exactly why the Empire lost like they're you know the they can see you on the kind of like on the on the the battleship board that <laughs> that uh the, the 
you know, the Jedi are getting a, you know, a, a leg up. They're winning a little bit. And Morgan's like, throw more people out there. Send more people. He's like, no, 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 no. That's enough. We, we got all the data we need. Our job is to get to the next galaxy. Going to pull everybody back. Don't worry about it. Like, it's, he's, the, the Empire always throws more bodies at the problem. And Thrawn's like, nope. I'll send two gunships. Let's see what happens. Okay, I'll see what happens. Call everybody back. Let's go. Like, he's he's so intent on his actual goal. Not like, oh, well, they, they shot two of us, so we got to make sure we go shoot four of them. No, 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 no. We are planning to get out of this galaxy. And like, he's done that with her last episode and this episode where he's like no no no, we gotta stay focused we're getting out of this galaxy that's the main issue nothing else matters Mm -hmm. and all of his movements are to serve that like i mean even even when he finds out that ahsoka uh he's like i want to know her master where she's from blah 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 once he sees that her master was anakin he was like all right mm -mm, nope this makes it more dangerous all right let's see uh let's go in and get this wrapped up Mm -mm, because i don't trust it he was like because anakin was already like straight up boss level before he became vader and he was one of their best jedi pilots no i'm not taking any chances let's stay hands off pull the fighters back like he was very very strategic throughout this whole thing which is something that it it helps illustrate his like amazing nature to people that might be brand new to him at least sort of amazing i guess in a bad way (laughs) but uh jay how did you like uh thrawn and his depiction in this episode oh i think it's perfect it's perfect thrawn um I, I think that he, I, this is what I think would maybe make him even cooler. But again, this is more not a complaint against Thrawn. It's more a complaint against the tension in the penultimate episode of Ahsoka's series. Yeah. Um, it would be kind of fun if we actually saw him going through his process of figuring out what all the options could be so mm-hmm. that we felt okay. like maybe he... Like we ultimately know that he's that he has the ability to get to a place that is superior to how to thinking about the problem or the scenario, in, in, as opposed to everyone else around him. They're all inferior to his thinking. What would be cool is if in this episode we saw him be like, you know, like let's just say we had the same interaction between Thrawn and um, Morgan, and instead of him being like, no, we don't need that. What if he was like, you know what? I'm going to think about this for a minute. And he goes into his chambers and we see him and he's got like his whole chess board of options and he's moving stuff around and he's doing, making different changes. And at the end of the episode, we see him, we see the, we see his face, the, ref, the, the light reflected from the, from the chess board or the, the battle board that he has in front of him. And he all of a sudden smiles and goes, I've got him or like checkmate or something okay. right? like yeah like yeah that, that's my only that's the only showing thing his wrong. process or at yes. least showing him thinking correct even thinking on his feet could could work yeah i'll give you that but otherwise other than that i think the actor that's portraying him i mean obviously this is the same guy from rebels so we know that the voice is great but like the way that he's able to carry himself i think is phenomenal uh the way he talks to people he you know he doesn't 
even with Morgan, he doesn't. He's not like Morgan. You're an idiot. Get out of my way. He's like, no, no, no. Like we're good. We're good. Don't worry about that. Like he's almost like a yeah. soothing presence. To be honest with you, <laughs> like you're yeah, like- he's very. He's not. It's weird because Thrawn is so. He's so calm and relaxed. Even when something bad happens that yeah. like, is out of his calculation, he's like, hmm. All right, we learned from that. Hold the fighters back in. Like, it, it's not even, he's not like angry. He's not like, you know, wiping everything off the table and flipping the table. No, he's not doing that. He's just like, hmm, okay. We've learned enough from our first, you know, our first encounter with Ahsoka. We'll continue. And then also, like he said, we're down a mercenary. Like, you know, his calculation was I have two force users yep. plus two gunships and the the um like the the little like bounty fighters or whatever we got on this planet. Right. But then he, he looked at the board where he's like, We're down a mercenary. He's like, Where's Balin Skull? So <laughs> even even he's like, hmm, okay, once again, once again. Tons of random things happening to him where he's like, see, this is why I can't I can't work with you people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I would like to see his process where he kind of like sits, you know, and just kind of like thinks or like he's moving chess pieces around or something like that. That would be cool. It would be really difficult to be the employee of the month if you work for Thrawn. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a tough. It might be Enoch might have it, but it's pretty tough. Let's just face it. Yeah, because I mean, he he plans for everything, and yep. if you like, if you mess up one thing, he's like, "Well, yeah, you were okay, but can't get can't get employee of the month today." Yeah. Like this month, no, I can't do it. <laughs> like, remember that one thing you messed up, like that one small thing. Yeah, too bad, you can't get it. <laughs> so oh, true. um, one thing that I thought was really cool. Like, oh I'm wait, hold up, I didn't get a chance to weigh in on this yet. Oh no, no, I'm gonna throw it to you. It's just it okay. came to my mind real quick. Uh, when Ezra's hair got cut a little bit, I thought that was a cool effect. But anyway, go ahead. Oh. So, yeah, I, I got to say fanboy alert. All right. <laughs> because, um, like, seriously, if y'all are listening. Um, yeah. So for those, those of you guys like listening to this on YouTube, um, press like, press subscribe, share this. But fanboy alert because, bruh, um, this is my Thrawn. Okay. Um, when Timothy Zahn introduced him an heir to the Empire, mm-hmm. he wrote, um, had Thrawn not been on the other side of the galaxy, the Empire would have fared differently during the Rebellion. And I'm like, okay, yeah, who is this guy? And the more I read about him, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, because I love masterminds. Um, this guy in this episode reminded me of Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. Ooh, okay. And reminded me of Grand Admiral Thrawn from the books. Because you're absolutely right. This guy is a strategist and a tactician where, yeah, he's looking at everything. Like when they introduced him last week and he was like, oh, Ahsoka Tano? Yeah. Jedi? Yeah. All right, give me every piece of information you have about her. Uh, where she studied, who her master was, what her favorite ice cream flavor is, um, you know, what she driving, when she learned how to drive, what color her lightsabers, how many does she use, you know, um, he is Mr. Research. 
and yeah, definitely and it really comes out like you know i mean the books made it very clear this dude studies the art of a civilization to work up a psychological profile on them so he knows how to fight them effectively and they yeah, show he's that on another level yeah he is you know they're playing chess this dude is playing go he's just <laughs> he, he's he's not playing the same game and um good on feloni for being like oh no we lost to the jedi and we cannot find the mercenary that i'm pretty sure isn't going to be with us forever because he's a jedi he was trained as a jedi and i don't really trust jedi because you know i've seen too much i know too many things um however it's cool all this was a distraction in the first place we've been loading up the truck what oh yeah yeah, yeah it's like, like the truck is almost done yeah so you, you you didn't see that this was just a distraction man ah uh, i'll be glad to get out of here um and He's yeah like, we have time are, she doesn't yeah you guys are absolutely right where the where the writers and the actor um who's performing thrawn is amazing perfectly cast in my opinion because um everything about him is everything i loved about emperor palpatine not senator emperor palpatine <laughs> um without the cackling you know because um yeah this dude he's got his math is mathing I mean, yeah. he, and he doesn't he doesn't plans. have the emotional problem that someone like the emperor had like palpatine had being a sith because you know you have this like huge ball of anger and when you know like just kill 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 he doesn't really i mean he has that but it's not it doesn't it doesn't consume him right yeah he's he's all about the job he is all about that job and when they were like you know when they were pulling the thing of oh no they're beating our mercenary and stuff he's like it's it's not a big consequence like i knew that was gonna happen because let's see we got one jedi that's been stranded here with us and leaving us alone then the mandalorian jedi shows up and then the jedi that was mentored by darth vader was showing up we weren't supposed to win this battle but in the grand scheme of things it's cool <laughs> and i'm like all right this is a dude that doesn't just see the whole board he sees the whole gaming store you know he he's literally looking at uh, he's playing money ball while everybody else is trying to is really trying to get through the next inning you know <laughs> and they really showed that and the yeah. fact that he was calm and was stoic and you know pulling the oh it ain't nothing but a thing especially in the face of what's her name the force witch being like i don't understand why you're doing what you're doing and he's like let me explain this for the audience <laughs> you know oh, i boy. think not for the I audience drink and i know things that is what i do <laughs> and hey, i'm well. all out of liquor so i just know things i mean that, that's what he does well, there's one there's one big thing I want to talk about last, which is the round two of Ahsoka and Balin Skull. You know, we, we get a, a chance for them to, you know, come back, fight again. How are you? I'll say, Jay, how are you feeling about their second encounter? Mm. 
Um, I liked how it was set up strategically where um, it was kind of like, look, I'm only distracting you long enough so that that it helps out my team. I'm, I'm, this is not like you're not going to be able to beat me. I, think, I thought that was a good setup for it. Um, I still think um, I still think this is just my complaint throughout this episode as we already talked about. So I'm just going to sound like I'm saying the same thing over again. It still <laughs> felt though like the stakes were like we're going to have them fight again. Let's contrast this with the battle in episode 4 which is one of my favorite lightsaber battles of in Star Wars history. That was like, look, we have the map. We need to get the map so we can get to Thrawn. If we don't have the map and this process doesn't finish, we lift the show's over. Like Thrawn, the 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 bad guys fail, right? Yeah, roll um, credits. And, yeah, exactly. Just roll credits. And so Balin in that moment has to beat her. He has to be able to overcome her in some way, shape, or form. Ahsoka rolls up, and Ahsoka's thing is. Um, I have Sabine here. I've already talked to Sabine about this. We've, we've foreshadowed that Thrawn is coming back if they're successful. And we cannot let that happen because everything we're doing with the New Republic could just fall to pieces. And since we all know who Thrawn is, that makes sense to us. So we're like, yeah, cool. This battle, it was like, it was like that, but on like, like 2.0 was like the light version <laughs> as opposed to the heavy version right it was just kind of like well i don't want you to get to my apprentice so we're just gonna like tussle for a few minutes and then like that'll be over um honestly i almost preferred seeing ahsoka do the forms while anakin was watching her because that like was more core to what her character was going through at that time and i kind of understood that this just felt like an excuse for Ahsoka to encounter somebody to kind of just give her another barrier before she got to Ezra and Sabine, but it didn't really, I didn't really feel the stakes. So it was fine, but in comparison to episode four, it feels a little bit, it feels a little bit lackluster because that felt like a battle that should have been in the penultimate episode, and this felt like a battle that should have been in episode four. Mm, okay. Okay. And Solar? Um, I got to disagree with Jay. Mm. Um, not that I felt the stakes because he's absolutely right on the fact that this kind of ha- was a stakeless battle on the front end. But what I saw when she got to round two was because of her little time meditating and talking with Anakin um, while she was taking a little swim and getting to know the whales. What I saw was improvement. Okay. Um, Like there's a really big theme of tactical awareness in this episode. Mm. So, you know, their fighting styles are very cool. Like she's very agile. He's very powerful. Mm -hmm. And that was coming out in the choreography. But what I definitely saw that was different was the first time they fought, she was trying to win. You know, like she was trying to beat him, which is why she ended up taking a header into the freaking ocean. All right. Mm. But in this one, it was very much the I mean, it was even said for the people in the back. You can't beat me. Oh, I know. (laughs) Like, I don't have to because my ride's right behind you, you know, (laughs) and I'm taking your car. Um, I thought that was like I literally saw um lucius malfoy in a safari hat 
going clever girl that's what i mm. saw you know she improved on um on her thinking and her style between those two fights you know and that is something that came out in the actor performances as well because did you notice the look on his face when she took his horse oh yeah he did he was, he was yeah he, he was, was like all right cool he was like well played and the yeah. funny thing is that was very much a well played clerk like she fought better this time with with the stakes being different for her because like in the first fight she's like i cannot let them get over this and you know and then but now after speaking with anakin after you know going through that and having that like experience you know or subconscious experience or whatever she now seemed to fight better yeah almost like the, she wasn't weighed down by maybe the you know the i don't know the responsibility or whatever she just seemed to move around him a lot better and even though he was definitely more powerful than her it seemed that she got more hits off on him in this fight than the first one in the first one it seemed like she was struggling and this one it seemed like oh hold on hold on hold on she's she stepped it up a little bit well in this one i could definitely see the motivations for her battle changed okay in the first fight um like you know we all know jay knows this better than i do but when a writer puts in an action scene um they have two choices to make they can have the thing of this will look really cool so i'll let the director have it or I have to make it clear what they're fighting for. Hmm. Okay. And in this particular battle, good old round two between um, between our two more experienced Jedi, you see in this one that Ahsoka was fighting for someone versus fighting for something. Okay. You know, and her coming to terms with all of the feelings that she had with Anakin while she was on her little spirit walk, um, I think played a major part in that. Mm. Um, and that was where she became more countery, more more agile, more flexible. Um, because um, I don't want to bring up episodes that you guys already covered too much. But the discussion that she had, that teenage her, with better choreography, um, had with Anakin during the Clone Wars mm -hmm. of, you know, um, what if I don't want to fight anymore? Like, Anakin was teaching her how to be a soldier, and she really just wanted to be a teacher, <laughs> you know? And gotcha. after that little spirit walk, that came out more in, in her performance. Not just in her fight, but in her interactions with um with Hera's kid, um her interactions with Hera, like she'd really come into her own as a Jedi after putting aside what she thought Anakin wanted for her while he was on that path of becoming Vader. You get what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah, those are good points. Okay. I mean, 
I can see why I can see from an Ahsoka's journey standpoint, I can definitely see how this lightsaber battle with Balin was was meaningful in that regard. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, I guess with that said, I'm going to throw it to Jay for final thoughts. And where can they find you? Yeah, final thoughts. Um, again, not a bad episode. Just oddly, oddly mild for a <laughs> penultimate episode. It felt like it just needed more tension spliced throughout. Um, but you know what? Like, I still think, uh, you know, it's highly likely that Filoni is going to be directing the last one. I haven't looked it up, but that, that seems like it makes sense to me. I think he's he loves these characters. These are. You know, characters that he has a lot of depth with. Um, Ezra is going to probably learn the soul-crushing news that he's not going home, I assume. Um, and that'll be intense. It'll be kind of crazy. And, and we'll we'll get a better feel for where things are headed for uh, the rest of the Mandoverse and as they head into this final film. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think it'll be good. I'm looking forward to talking about it next week. So uh, it'll be a good time. And you can find me... Um, on Twitter at at Jay Shear, or I guess it's X now, right? You can find me on X at Jay Shear, and then also you can check out how stories work with Jay Shear. Um, I just released a uh, table read. It's kind of like a it's a it's a short film. Um, it's not the full film, but I cut it in half because I because it was so much editing work. I didn't want to take too long, but I, I've got part one of our short film, the table read version. So it kind of it's kind of like watching Critical Role. Um, I'm the narrator, okay. and then there's actors that play all the roles that get spliced in. So it's pretty fun. That's at, over at um, How Stories Work with Jay Shear. You can check that out. We'll have part two eventually, and then we're filming the actual short film in November. So next year, you'll be actually be able to watch that as well. So check it out. Follow me over there, and stay tuned for next week when we're talking about the finale of Ahsoka, which would be fantastic. Yes, yes. All right, Solar. All right, guys, I'm Solar Gray, the Cinematic Sorcerer, still coming at you from the Wizard's Tower. Yeah. And my final thoughts on this is, man, it's really good that this show finally picked up its momentum. And everything about it is telling me that it planned on having a second season. So I hope I'm correct in the sense of this whole thing is building up to a season Um a season two and if that's the case then i've got no problem with the way that it's coming out because it's planting a lot of seeds that look like they'll be fun to um fun to watch grow if not <laughs> then um this is really sad for the penultimate episode of a series um because again they planted a lot of seeds that would really look good, would really be fun to watch grow, but um, they're not really staying, I don't want to say consistent, but it's one thing to plant seeds when you only have, what, seven, eight episodes? Um, It's yeah. another thing to plant seeds when all you're getting is seven or eight episodes, mm. so um if there's a season two in the works then i am super happy with this super happy um it's finding its thing where it put us in a really cool place narratively of 
are they going to get home um if there's a season two there's a possibility that they are going to be there for a season and we get to focus on hera and possibly the return of han drunken jedi who's a teacher now you know we can expand a little more in the rebels universe um however if they're trying to wrap up this season with a tidy bow then i'm afraid because this episode was decent but it could also it's either planting seeds for a good second season or for a rushed ending to the first and it could go either way and Ooh. that scares me i guess we'll see uh for my end, final thoughts guys make a very long finale and just make it count <laughs> just make it count because i don't know if this is supposed to be a series finale or a season finale so just you gotta make it count and thrawn has gotta we we just we gotta we gotta show what you've been getting us all excited for the whole season like Stop making us wait until the very last episode to see two minutes of them actually do the thing. But <laughs> with, with that said, N-E-R-D, S-O-U-L, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, podcast, all that jazz. Until the next time that the space whales have to get out of there because of a minefield. Until the next time that three witches pinpoint your location. This is from us to you saying peace. Peace.